If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. Tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. God bless Lucky Street, Viva Lucky Street, Long live Lucky Street, same magnifique Lucky Street. Um, good evening, I think. Is is it is it is it recording? Is it working? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think so. Is, is this part three or are we just not bothering to turn up recorder on for the first two parts because apparently that doesn't matter these days? Do you want to check your watch in? Oh bugger it's not my watch, it's my daughter's loom band. <laughs> I don't know what time it is. How long have we been going? <laughs> Oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Good evening. I'm John, and I'm joined by Dan. Good evening, everybody. Phil. Hello. Ian. <laughs> Hello. And we're all still pissed off. <laughs> so Dan, Dan's made some comprehensive notes. So I think, first of all, it'd be good to hear a bit more of a gut reaction from uh, you, Ian, to start us off, because I'm intrigued what Dan's got to say, but I feel once he starts, he might not stop. So how do you do feel about it, Ian, last night? I'm still seething now, to be honest. <laughs> it, it, was just a, it, it was just a catalogue of failure that probably sums up the quality of refereeing technology use in the Premier League this season. From the failure of the... Hawkeye to, to work properly through to the lack of intervention of VAR, all the officials on the pitch recognising there's something not quite right here. Certainly the VAR referee, Paul Tini, being able to see it in a studio and having a full minute, including a replay in that time where he could have intervened, through to the statement from Hawkeye, which I'm just calling bullshit on, frankly. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I, look, We'll come on to the performance. There's many arguments about whether we deserve doing it or that. Ultimately, we got the ball over the line. Whatever, whatever anyone says, we got the ball over the line. We scored a goal, yet we didn't win the game. That, that, that just doesn't sit right with me at all. Whether we deserve to win it or not is completely irrelevant yeah, as far as exactly. I'm concerned. You, you, you win games you don't deserve to and you lose games you don't deserve to, don't you? That's just hmm. that football. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I got some last night and we didn't deserve it anyway. Old, at the end of the day, we scored a goal. Whichever way anybody on that anybody looks at it, you know, Villa fans will say that was a goal across the line. We got away with one, but it's, there's a difference between getting away with one and something that is just such a, a blatant multiple failure on so many parts that could cost us millions of pounds. It, what, what makes it worse for me is the way that it's been handled since. All right, Hawkeye will come out and, and issued an unreserved apology, but the statement. Bullshit, like you said, it's a load of rubbish. And and the PGMOL, is it? They've come yeah. out and, and backed the, it, the way that the process went was the way the process should have gone. It's, everybody could see what had gone wrong. Just deal with it on time. It's like common sense has gone out of the game completely and it's so frustrating. I think I also got irritated last night by... I didn't see much of the City-Arsenal game. I was, I was just kind of... I was just wasn't in the mood after our game had finished. But I flicked back on later, and it was Carragher and Micah Richards. And obviously, Richards has got his Villa connections because he once pulled on the boots from for about 20 minutes, didn't he, when he could be asked. But the pair of them were actually making light of it for a spell at the end of their coverage last night and having a laugh about it and then trying to be serious. But I'm thinking, if that was one of the big clubs, they'd be hammering that point to death. Well, but it's United, know. so we'll, we'll make a joke about it because it's Sheffield United. And The other side of it has not really been talked about. Liverpool, that was Liverpool. You imagine the, the uproar and the, the woe is me from Liverpool fans. The, 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 yeah, absolutely. If it was someone like Liverpool or City or Man United. But the, the financial impact of it for us is obvious. If we don't qualify for Europe or for the Champions League because of this, because of one point, then that's massive for United. But compare that to if West Ham, for example, get relegated by one point over Villa. That's staggering. Oh. I've, I've just read a, a headline on Twitter where someone in the Telegraph is saying that if we miss out on Europe, we could have a legal challenge. 
Now, I, I, personally, I wouldn't want us to go down that route again. However, it would be interesting to see, like you say, if West Ham went down by a point, mm. for the, the stick they gave us over the whole Tevez thing, if that's something they might pursue. Oh, it's Sullivan and Gold, it's got to be a good chance. Who you'd go after, whether you go after the Premier League, the PGMOL, Hawkeye, I don't know who you'd go after. Well, Hawkeye have apologised. You'd have to go after Hawkeye. They're the people that have said it's our fault, I think. The initial thing is their fault. Like you say, for me, it's just a catalogue of failure by Oliver, the linesman, and then Tierney who's sat in, it, sat in his little studio picking his nose, I think, rather than watching what was going off on his screens for, for about a minute and a half in front of him. I mean, I think that that, Ian, sums it up quite well for me, not that it makes me feel any better about it. And that's this idea that all the processes that you go through to make that goal count, if we, we were failed by them all. Hmm. And then you hear unhelpful things such as, oh, it beeped at half-time. I mean... Which would indicate to me that that's exactly the point that someone went, shit, is okay on, turn on, there we go. That would indicate to me. They test it before the game, don't they? They have to test it before every game. I'm assuming when they've tested it, they switch it off and then turn it on again before the game. Why would they keep it on for the sake of it? That seems to me where, I mean, we're surmising, but that seems to me where the fall downs happen. Someone's turned it off after testing it and then never turned it back on again until half time. That image comes out normally within... 30 seconds the next break in play the next free kick the next throw in whatever it comes on that says oh it was in by 8 mil or it was not in by 8 mil or whatever it is the goal goal checking system decision (coughs) no goal so Dan you said you'd made a few notes on things you wanted to bring up around this I mean seen people (laughs) rather than than, the notes and, and facts and figures it's more about it kind of sums up my feelings about how football's gone and, and the, 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 referee, the standard of refereeing like Ian touched on earlier on. And it's the only analogy I can make is driverless cars. So we can all drive and we all know what it's like to drive down the motorway and you, you, you're 100% focused on everything. At some st- Over the next few years, driving standards will, will, will decrease because you've got things like lane departure warnings and collision avoidance and stuff like that at some stage it will go a step further than there will be driverless cars and this is where we are now we're kind of not far from that now so if in 30 years time someone's driverless johnny cab mows an old lady down at a crossing the driver will go it's not my fault i weren't driving it's nothing to do with me and this is what you've got with referees now so you've got referees that don't make a decision he can see either that the ball's in or judging by the reaction of both sets of players that something's happened there, rather than stick his head above the parapet and say, I'm an experienced ref, I think that's in, I'm going to double check it, I'm going to confirm in linesman. He goes, well, my watch is not buzzed. That, that's me, that's, that's absolved me of any responsibility, lads. I'm done. And you, you're gonna, you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to decrease the standard of refereeing to the point where they're almost pointless. It's going to become a point where it's pointless having a referee. Well, we've said this already about linesmen, haven't we? Yeah. With the offside, what's the point in a linesman now? It's just back to Sunday League football ins and outs. Yeah. There's no they're other point for a linesman. They know if they make the wrong call, they're going to get old for it. If they don't make a call, they can then get it pulled back and they can, they've got the safety net of, of Hawkeye, of, of VAR, and it's going, to, it's going to ruin the standard of refereeing, which, effect, which in turn will ruin football. Aspect. So it was more of a a rant about the general state of the game rather than uh... I think we all agree with you and and that's what what I said before about you know every system that's in place to ensure that is correctly given as a goal failed us last night and it starts with the first one which is the to use the car analogy the man in the front seat of the car the woman in the front seat of the car in this case the referee on the pitch and his linesman and it was it was just weird and it it ruined the second half for me because obviously my phone was going berserk and I, I thought about well, it on airplane mode. I didn't. I kept reading, seeing the different images. That wound me up. And, the, and then the fact that I wanted to sit down and watch Arsenal Man City and I just couldn't focus on it because I was still pissed off. Oh. And he said, I hate to use that narrative. It's always us, isn't it? But like, because we're invested in it, 
I suppose every football fan could probably put forward a case, but yeah, I, I, I said last week. I was going to say I said we were a club of first last week. Yeah. You know, first game back in a Premier League. I thought, great. We joked that we might be the see Wilder might be the first manager to use five subs in a Premier League game. No, instead, it's the first club to get screwed by failing goal line technology. You know, it, we'll stick it on the honours board. <laughs> I mean, in, in fairness, kind of segueing off that, off the incident into the game, he probably could have used five subs last night because I thought we were we were quite flat all over. I was surprised. I, I honestly, I think we said it last week. I thought we'd come into this game with a with a level of readiness that, to be fair to Villa, they pressed us, and I thought they'd tire a bit more than they did. They, I thought they closed us down. They turned us, pushed Egan back. You know, Egan make put, put Egan on the turn or with um, Davies backing into him, give him a bit of a rough time, and we just looked a bit laggy in the midfield. Uh, I think it's not often. I think. Wilder gets it wrong, but I think he got it wrong last night with the starting lineup. And I think it showed when Freeman came on, we looked all right. We didn't really do a lot, but we looked more like our old selves because Freeman was bursting through rather than Berger and Lundstrom. Just didn't work. And no. I think that contributed to the to the fact that we looked so sluggish because we couldn't get out. There was no, there was no. If you think about what Fleck does, he. He bursts out of his position and, and drives the game forward. Really, he sets really the tempo. He, he yeah. sets the tempo for how we play. And he also is very, very good at breaking lines in just his movement. And he and defensively, he'll orchestrate the press from the midfield. And I think the most telling part was that gap. I don't think it helped. There were a couple of times where I think if we. If it was a normal game, Ender and Baldock would have nicked a ball or got onto a pass. A, a few seconds quicker and I think that meant our out- outlet wasn't great but firstly I think to give Villa some praise Grealish was absolutely excellent and they're a much better team when McGinn's in the team I know Grealish when he goes down is irritating but the way he yeah, does- fair. He's, he's a dick and he chucks himself about a bit and he, he's got a fucking My Little Pony haircut but he is a very very he's a very very good footballer My Little yeah. Show Pony <laughs> yeah yeah but I thought Villa were Villa were a lot deeper as well, uh, so they were because I was debating it with my dad watching the game. He's going, "Oh, get Moose out!" I went, "Where's he going to run?" That they, they weren't getting anything. They were and Sharp and McBurney both grafted. Sharp did his best to win free kick, but he won the free kick that led to the dare I say goal. But I, I thought Lundstrom struggled more on the left hand side of things. But I think some of the I don't know what you three think, but I think this that obsession with Burgers not doing this, that, and the other. He won about four or five defensive headers and his passing, he didn't misplace passes. Was he dominant in midfield and maybe carried the ball as you'd want somebody who's a multi-million pound player to do? No. But will he, whether he ever will be that, it doesn't, it's not, it's neither here nor there for me. I just think it's very easy to criticise and say that's where it went wrong, whereas Norwood, Norwood misplaced a pass that nearly put them through on goal at one point. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not one's biggest fan, don't get me wrong, but I think it was very ordinary from Anderson and Robinson onwards, really. On, on I was going to say, I thought... Sorry. Sorry, go on, on, say, on Berger, I'm not sure why people were thinking... Obviously, when he came in January, he had a few games and started to, to look OK. I'm not sure why people thought a three-month hiatus would suddenly mean it meant he'd come back as an absolute monster. It, this was going to... This was going to... Stymie's development at United rather than rather than improve it. So yeah. I'm not sure why people were expecting a different player. I don't will not see the the hundred percent burger until he's had a proper preseason result. I honestly believe that. Yeah, I think I think for me as well. The, the, the I was a little and it's hard because I, I said after the game, it's hard to be overly critical. It, it's such unusual circumstances to pick up you know, a season like this with the break we've had, with the way we've been playing and, and the energy we've played with all season. But I thought McBurney might have offered a bit more last night. I, I mean, you say he worked hard. I just I just felt he just looked a little bit not better, quite there. Better players and more expensive players than Ollie McBurney will get less change out of Tyrone Mings than McBurney did last night. I thought McBurney kept at it. Yeah. And... Second half, I think it was noticeable that he was asked to drop in a little bit deeper and we started to actually get on the ball a bit more. I think that was mainly due 
to the other players that came on as well. But McBurney was was closer to the midfield, and yeah. I think we all when we when we when we're in flow and we're playing well, you've got. Bulldog attacking, you've got Basham off, often attacking on one side, you've got Stevens coming down one side with O'Connell overlapping and you've got Fleck pushing on. Yesterday we didn't have any of that. All yeah. we had was Sharp and McBurney feeding on scraps mm. and it was scraps. So yeah. I, I don't think anybody comes out of it with much credit. Like like you said, apart from maybe Robinson and, and, and Henderson, certainly first half anyway. Yeah, I, I, thought, think, I, thought, I thought Robinson did really well. I thought Robinson did, did really well. I think it, to me it was the pick of the back Three, because I thought Egan, Basham got forward well, but I thought looked a little bit suspect defensively. Egan was Egan had a tough evening, yeah. um, but I thought Robinson looked assured. Yeah, didn't didn't surge forward. I thought I noticed a couple of his crossfield balls. I'm about to say, I thought, it was, I thought it was I thought it was Ollie Norwood on the ball at first. Yeah. From he that played more long range passes that were of quality than than um, than Norwood did last yeah. night. Also, yeah, like. It wasn't him not being able to play our way that because O'Connell likes a crossfield punt as much mm. as anyone, doesn't he? So we're, we're asking a player to come in and do something that someone's done for three and a half seasons at United, in it playing in a certain way in a certain style. And you with all due respect to Robinson, you know we've said before about the importance of players in that role. Robinson, I don't think was ever going to come in and do that, and he's going to he's going to take time to adjust and settle because he's not going to want to make a mistake, especially when everyone's, you know, the, the risk of making a mistake in games are going to be, I think, quite tight in a lot of cases. And they were they were pitching a bit of a tent in the trousers about like the trouble that Davis recorded in Egan. I think it was about twenty minutes in. Ref just put uh, Egan's put his hand up to ref and said four times like he's fouled me four times. Yeah, he's a big awkward bugger. Well, we've long talked about that ball. He's over the tops. Egan's Achilles heel. If he's got one on it, yeah. But he also the ball that comes across where they probably would have scored if I think it was Trezeguet or El Ghazi. Actually, the delivery was better. I think Egan's covered the chance on his slide if it actually goes through to the Villa striker. But he, he, it's always it was always going to be tough. And in a way, maybe the positive moving on to Newcastle which we talk about at length is we've had an experiment with that midfield because maybe if we'd fluked the 1-0 smash and grab last night um, we, we don't change the team things whereas now it's like perfect reason to freshen things up all over the pitch I think we'll see it certainly more than we're used to seeing and, uh, and Newcastle haven't had that game yet where they'll go through those emotions and stuff. So I, think I, think that, I think that extra game last night puts us at an advantage over Newcastle because got we've because obviously we've we've obviously we've got an extra ninety minutes in, under his belt, but we've all, they've also had the experience of playing in front of no one, which is which is going to be eerie the first time you do it. So did you watch it? Did you watch it with the crowd noise, or did you watch it with it off? Watched it for the first ten minutes with the crowd noise until someone had a someone. Had a shot from 30 yards, which got blocked eight yards further forward. And about eight seconds later, the crowd went, and I thought, nah, fuck this. So I went on to the other one and just had the just had the, the noise as was. The, the fake crowd noise I couldn't be doing with. I have it with I, the crowd noise. I did. I enjoyed it, the crowd noise. And, and I had a laugh. I know exactly the bit that you're talking about, because we were all laughing as well. But I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I tried it for a few minutes with no crowd noise in the second half, and I, I didn't enjoy it, so I went back to I preferred it without. It was odd because I, I was trying to hear the shouts of the players a little bit more and uh, the manager. Because I thought it was interesting. James Shield was obviously sat in the stand and he was uh, he was picking out some of the things Wilder was was shouting from the touchline because obviously Wilder in the, that first after the first two or three minutes we then probably had fifteen twenty minutes where Villa got on top and I thought it was looking like what you know do we are we going to wrestle our way back into this a little bit and uh, I think James Shields something about Wilder shouting you know. Four tackles, four tackles we've missed. So, it, you know, it was clear that he was frustrated by us being that bit off the pace. But after that spell, we got into the game for the remainder of that first half and I think, got a bit more foothold. I think the only players who put in any challenges of any, any quality were Lundstrom and Stevens. I thought, like, by his own eye standards that we touched on Egan, there was one challenge, actually, on Grealish, Basham did at the end of the first half, where Grealish were doing, you know, over this... Shoulders are going. I'm doing a little dance, by the way, for podcast listeners. Not that you're going to ever watch this video. And Basham just stood him up and then just took it round him, cool as you like. And I think it's a similar point I was making about uh, McBurney on Mings. Better, more expensive players than Chris Basham will get put on their arse by Grealish. 
this season yeah. and forevermore and have been done already. So it's it, it was frustrating. I think it, it would have been interesting how serious the conversation around the performance would have been if the goal had counted. But I suppose we've, we've pulled the bones out of that and it's almost like a bit of a reset again before Sunday, the game in hand's done. We've learned, a lot. we've learned a lot from yesterday, I think. Wilder will have learned a lot as well. And a point away from home against a team that's fighting for their lives, it's not the worst thing in the world, is it? We've gone sixth in Premier League and we're all a little bit crestfallen. <laughs> that's what I put last night. I put on Facebook today, we're sixth. You know, football's by... I've missed football. I think football's missing the fans. But I haven't missed technology. Yeah, and think that's a, so let's look forward. Unfortunately, technology has missed something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I have no excuses. I was totally over the line. Over the line? You, you, you're, you're so far past the line that you can't even see the line. The line is a dot to you. <laughs> yes. So welcome back to part two. Um, hopefully we've got technology and the Villa game out of our system now and we can look forward uh, to Sunday afternoon uh, back on Sky a few of us had tickets to go up to St James's Park on the game that was originally cancelled so rather than uh, a night on the tune unfortunately we've just got an afternoon on our sofas uh, watching United and um, on the back of yesterday's game John what you, what's your thoughts ahead of Sunday? As we touched on the last part um one thing that always happens under Wilder and United is when something's come to haunt us or gone against us, the reaction's always absolutely glorious. Now, I think Newcastle will try to frustrate us, but I think we'll be wise enough, fit enough, and uh, switched on enough to react to what happened last night and really go and give them a game on uh, on Sunday at two o'clock. I really, I, I think, as Phil said before, we 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 will have learned a lot from last night. You think there's going to be a bit of wanting a, a, a bit of revenge after the, what happened at Newcastle at home as well? I mean, I know ultimately it was the right decision, but the way it happened, there's a bit of a bit of taste with the players there as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, possible. Yeah, just a, just a little a little bit of something at the back of the mind, thinking, you know, want a bit of revenge. I, I, I'm kind of. I think I think you're right. I think the fitness aspect of having a game under our belts, you know, ninety minutes of. Um, intense football so you know it, not training you know training ground matches or practice games you know I think that that helps massively you know I think we've, we've he's got a sense of I'm to try something different at short notice with some of the injuries and, and what works and what didn't work um, I think there'll be players hungry to get some time off the bench I do worry about how Newcastle will set up and, and John alluded to saying you know, in the first part you know Villa were Villa sat deep, you know, obviously what did Newcastle do at, at Bramall Lane? They sat deep and we found it very hard to break them down. And and that's my worry about, it's a small worry, I guess, but that's my concern about Sunday. I think we can go there with the right intensity. Will we have the nous and, you know, without if he said Fleck's got a chance of being fit for Sunday, um, I think you need a kind of John Fleck to just give us that little bit of spark. I think I think you're right. I think if Fleck's fit, he comes in. If he's not, I would imagine Freeman probably starts for Berger. And if he's fit, obviously because he, he, I mean, he jarred his knee last night, and that went that went through me on the the kind of slow motion yeah. replay. Uh, if he's fit, I would imagine Dids comes in for probably for for Billy. Yeah. I think I'm just looking now because I can't remember whether Dids started against Newcastle last time, but. I think. Um, I don't think he did. No, I, I, did, I just wanted to double check because I think Dixie's ability on the ball. No, he didn't. It was Sharp and McBurney that started last time. Dixie's ability on the ball is the sort of thing that can unlock a stubborn defence like they're obviously going to have because that's the way that they play. I also think, as good as he was yesterday, I think Robinson will drop out for Ben Osborne on Sunday. I think and they go in. because he doesn't offer much going forward and that's not his fault it's just the way he plays I think you're more likely to see Ender play his position and Osborne play left wing back so I think it gives us more going forward and it's asking a lot to be fair to Robinson who hasn't played much football two games in four days yeah, yeah. It's, it's asking, he was out for he was out for a while at Forest before he, he got back into the side as well so 
I think that's. I think I agree with you there, Phil. I've just wrote down my team actually in front of me what I think I'd like to see happen, but I think it's a bit more ballsy than that. But we'll get to that. Well, let's go to it now. Come on. Uh, well, well, I just, think. Just go back to. No, go on, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say, I think obviously Henderson will be in there, and I agree with you, Phil, that it'll be Ender going in with Egan and Bash. No, uh, Baldock on the right, Osborne on the left, but then I would play Norwood and Lundstrom together, and I'd play McGoldrick behind McBurney and Moussa and put it on him. Do you think there's any room for Moussa to get in behind, though? I think he's arguably after Billy the best finisher. Uh, if it, it gives it gives them something to worry about, they'll be aware of him with quickness. And I just feel that like McGoldrick, we sometimes I think we had to do that exact substitute in the front three. We had to do that in the home game to try and unlock it at the end. Anyway, didn't that get us an equal? I don't know. It's so bloody. I think the, the one thing about Moose, yeah, I mean his pace is obvious, but he can hit a ball as well. And he does hit a ball from unusual um, yeah. places, if you know what I mean. So it, he, I'm thinking, was it the Man United goal he scored? Yeah, really took it really early. That could be that could be a decent ploy, actually. I don't think we'll play McBurney, Moose, and McGoldrick, um, if I'm honest. But no, I don't. I, I can't think we're going with three forwards, even if even if McGoldrick does end up dropping into that. I just feel like we talked about. I think before. Covid, didn't we? About how maybe it's the opportunity to like go a bit, but um, I can depend on flex fit. If flex fit, flex will start. Simple as that. Oh yeah, of course he will. And I, I think if if we're ever going to play this double pivot, as it's called, with with Berger and, and Norwood, I think you'd have Fleck in front of them too, rather than rather than a forward, because Fleck can do the, the tracking back and the working hard and tackling in the midfield. Although McGoldrick does work hard as well, but. It probably Fleck offers a bit more I reckon yeah I think what would we would see if, we, if Osborne did play left wing back and Ender dropped in at left centre half I think we'd instantly look more balanced um, not that I mean it's, it, I think obviously a left foot in midfield if it's likely to be Freeman or Fleck rather than McGoldrick, but it might be McBurney and McGoldrick would start, actually. But I think that was so obvious against Villa in the first half, the lack of, like, Lundstrom sometimes, you could see him sort of rolling the ball back to then make the pass with his right, and it, it doesn't allow for the way we play, especially in when those passes need to be moving quickly. It, it, it doesn't work. Just It just, yeah, it was noticeable how much it slowed our play down. You know, it it already felt slightly pedestrian, which is which is understandable. But then, when you've got a player needing to switch switch feet, it's just adding to that that challenge, really. Yeah, especially when the ball's got to move through those transitions, arguably like three or four times to create the angle. Sometimes it's it may, it means it doesn't work. Anything that slows that process down, kind of. <laughs> It stops that momentum that we build. A lot of what we do is built on momentum and quick and quick quick passages of play. And, and like you said, the second you have to switch it or change feet or alter the angle, you just lose that extra second, which, uh, it, like I say, it just it slows the whole process down. Do we think Carroll starts after the fact that he gave us an absolute chuffing nightmare in the uh, in at the game at Lane? I, I I think there's a, a chance. I mean, um, I think. Egan, and we, we touched on Egan. I think Egan, that, that's his biggest kind of challenge game. You know, I think having someone who wants to try and bully him a bit more, you know, I think I'm not saying he, it's a weakness, but it's certainly an area where he's, he's come up come up against, you know, problems before. And I think, yeah, if I was Newcastle, I would consider starting him. Just to just for that A for that outlet B for the the tr- trouble it can cause and the physicality in, in in what's going to be they'll perceive to be yes they might be more fit but actually United have just played ninety minutes there could be you know a degree of tiredness there as well I think Joe Linton's injured as well isn't he so I think oh, right. yeah. I might, I might be completely wrong but I'm sure I heard that so um, it might force the hand a little bit as well I think the one that we need to watch really is some maximum maximum yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think he knows what he's doing next, but he's a, he's a problem, isn't he? He's a, he's a something out of nothing player in it that can just do a bit of, he can, you know, he can quite easily fall over his 
dome feet as skin through and smash one in. It's you never know no. what you're going to get one minute to the next year. The players we all love to have, we, 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 I really like us. Well, I suppose Boussa is our version of that to an extent. Um, he's, but Peter he's, he's got a bit of the Peter Unloves about him. Just doesn't have the gloves. <laughs> I think he wears them. In the fact we build, we bigged him up and said, I think we might actually be too physical for him in the last game. And then he went and scored a fucking header against us. <laughs> but I think as well, like in midfield, I think it's very important Lundstrom plays to not do it. I don't think he does this. I don't think this is a tactic, but he's somebody you want him, him or Fleck or both in around Shelby, stopping Shelby, getting going. The long staffs are quite decent and energetic. Uh, one of them's off to Udinese, apparently, which is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard. But, yeah, he'll be at Udinese for five minutes, then he'll be at Watford. But then you've got the other sort of absolutely bang average players, and this is where on Sunday he scores, but like Isaac Hayden, people like that, that are still knocking around Newcastle's first team. Isaac Hayden, first goal scorer, bet for you there, Blades fans, I can get that on. Um, but yeah, like, I think that is it's a game we can go on and win. I really, really do. But I was confident before last night, so what do I know? I think we were all pretty much confident predicting decent-sized wins on last week's pod for, for last night. Maybe that's tempering my enthusiasm for Sunday and belief in Sunday a little bit and just just Newcastle are just a bunch of but under Bruce they're just boring aren't they they're, they're a Bruce side aren't they they're, they're yeah, a side absolutely. you don't want to come up against if if you're a side like us that, I mean we don't score vast amounts of goals do we so no. a team that then tries to stifle you even more is the exact sort of side you don't want to come up against so um, just out of interest does anyone know why the Lone lads weren't on the bench last night, so Retsos and Zivkovic. I, I assumed it was admin to do with regards to extending the loans, obviously beyond what would have been the normal season. But Wilde did touch on it, didn't he? I mean, in an interview recently that they're just dotting the eyes and crossing the T's on, on one or two bits to let people continue for the rest of the season. So I'm assuming that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I would have thought, you know, that's like, it's not on the bench either. Because yeah. I would have thought so Zipkovic, as I said last week, I thought, you know, given he's he's got involved in some of those practice games, yeah, a bit like Moose, a bit of pace and unpredictability off the bench uh, with yeah. tired legs and, and tired players in this first few weeks could be uh, could be the difference. Because he, he started to get really ragged and stretched, didn't it, in the last sort of five or ten minutes last night? Last yeah. five or ten minutes, I fancied us to nick it. I, I really, I thought we, we can nick one here. Um, the McBurney Lundstrom uh, chance, if you will. I just wish McBurney had shot. Obviously, in his vision, Lundstrom looked wide open as the defender came out. But I think that was, I know we're going back to Villa, but that really annoyed me last night was that keeper's fucked up like he did. We should have been peppering that goal. Yeah, no, it, was, we, it was like the Norwood corner in that second half, you know. And he it didn't beat the first man. Just yeah. let's put it there, put it under the keeper, give him something to have to go up and, and get, feel yeah. a bit of pressure, get some players coming in. Even if last night was poor, by his standard, his corners were poor. Even the free kick wasn't a particularly good one. Do you know what? It's it's worthwhile in a situation where where a keeper's, Phil will probably attest to this being a keeper, but if a keeper's fumbled one like that, it would have been worthwhile. The next corner, a free kick, almost wasting it and saying to Egan or Basham or someone, I'm going to drop it right on top of him, just stick him it back at net. Just stick him it back at net. Referees watch would have buzzed, though, Dan. The referees watch would have buzzed at that point. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> but, yeah, talking to keepers as well, I mean, their best player probably at Bramall Lane was Dubravka, wasn't it? Dubravka's excellent. He's one of the best keepers in the league. He's at, at, and him, Geiter at Palace, Henderson, who all face more shots than you, Allison, etc., are, they are top draw goalkeepers. And I think Dubravka really is going to be there will be saves on Sunday so if we're going to score we're going to have to create a lot of chances Jimmy Redmond described Edmund as the best young keeper in the world last night yeah <laughs> talking about goalkeepers by the way what would you think to Edison trying to kill one of his own team last night fantastic so you, you should do it was proper it was close to Schumacher style wasn't it on Batista yeah he did it to his own man instead <laughs> rather than rather than an opponent he was showing he was showing other players his gloves where he got teeth marks in it <laughs> Just unreal. Yeah. Hope he's all right. So Garcia, is it, was it Garcia who did it? Garcia, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, if if that didn't alarm you, David Louise certainly cheered everybody up not long after. <laughs> Life also be available for the game at Bramall Lane. Thank goodness. Is they? Good. Yeah. I think there was something to add. Uh, I was listening to Five Live doing interviews saying, "Oh, he's, he's too emotional about his contract." I'm like, "My God!" And we actually get him down to excuse him this shitness that we've been subjected to in two spells at Chelsea and Arsenal as being he's driven by his emotions. Don't need, did you don't see need... his interview after the game? I know we were digressing a little bit, but did you see his interview? It was staggering. I've never seen anything like it. No, I didn't see it. I'll be, I'll be honest, I didn't watch, I didn't watch much of it last night after, uh, after we'd finished. He basically came out and said, I shouldn't have played. My contract's up in the air and I want to sign. Manager wants to sign me. They don't want to sign me. I shouldn't have played. That's the reason. That's the reason I made mistakes. It's my fault we lost. At least, nobody at least else's fault. At least you spared Arsenal fan TV last night. <laughs> um, so predictions, boys. Dan. Uh, one nil United. Scrap a scrappy one nil. Philip. Yeah, I'll go one nil United as well. I was going to say that before Dan did. Seeing as we all said it was going to be high scoring last night, and yeah, we, we, we went four twos and three nils and all sorts, didn't we? I think I said four two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go. I'll go one one. I, I'm just not sure. I, I just. I think Newcastle have got a little bit of danger up front, and I think they'll just sit. There's a chance they'll nick one, and sit deep, and it will. We'll have to scrap. Yeah, a, a, an early Newcastle goal or the first Newcastle goal would be disastrous. Yeah. I would you... say 2 0 United. Uh, I just feel there'll be a reaction. And Ollie McBurney was putting my fantasy team as captain this week because we have two games and the bastard better get one. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. I love Ollie McBurney, but he, he, needs to, uh, he needs to score. But seriously, I fancy a Sunday. Because I think Bruce has been one of these bitching and moaning about players not having time to get fit and stuff, hasn't he? So. <laughs> Danny Rose? <laughs> Danny Rose. That's it. To be fair, if uh, if Baldock gets around Rose, there might be some. There might be a serious incident at St James's Park. I hope they have got appropriate respiratory equipment and the ambulance is there because he looks like he's about to pop. But, but the danger is Baldock's going to have to run an extra ten yards to get round Danny Rose. <laughs> Yeah, he could he could do his ACL by having to step too far one side. But yeah, he looks. He looks Danny Rose is one of them players who's just just don't care anymore. Some interviews you've read with him over the last couple of years and stuff like that. He, he just strikes you as someone who's absolutely going through the motions, just picking a wage up. Don't really care. The exact opposite of the sort of player we I'm glad I'm moving up there. The chippies are better. <laughs> <laughs> I think, a, I think he's had a Parmo for tea every night and uh, he's had more brown ale than, uh, than he cares to mention. But yeah, I fancy as Dan and Phil do and Ian, you think a draw. But the, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm already looking forward to it. And the beauty of this period, although we're gonna, you're going to have to listen to our voices quite a lot, is uh, the games are going to come quick and, t- quick and uh, fast. So if we do have a bad result or we have a bad performance or... Is a freak nine thousand to one incident in a game. <laughs> then you you're back on with the fresh game to watch two or three days later. So you just have to get on with it. I'm looking forward to Sunday because it's Father's Day and I'm planning on basically not shifting off settee for whatever it is eight hours or something like that. So it's my day. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you for the presents. I'm just watching I mean, the football. I said that now. That's what I'm looking forward to. What will actually transpire is, I'm guessing, completely different. But that's that's what I'm hoping for. Well, that's all something for us to look forward to, anyway. Yeah. The trainers, John. What are these? No, mate. I've had them for years. Just got them back from being cleaned. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. But fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trade of page. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter, at Glistening Kicks, and Instagram, at Glistening underscore kicks. 
or they have a website, www.christinkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them around yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel and smell like new. And it's, I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their Insta again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. So, welcome back to part three. We're going to do our weekly feature, the Hall of Fame. Um, two of the entries for last week went automatically in, Wayne Quinn and, and Brian Dean, rightly so as well. And I won the vote between myself and Ian with uh, Stephen Bettis. So, thank you. Close, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was quite close. Like 92% towards Stephen Bettis, I think. <laughs> I'm maintaining a dignified silence. <laughs> I can't see it getting any better this week, to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, who wants to go first? Should we go to you first, John? Why not? Um, so, I thought, obviously, last night's game was a game that I would have normally gone to. Even with work and stuff, even if I'd finished work at six, I would have made it down to Birmingham and got myself there, crook or by crook. And I, I thought... I don't know what the general theme was, but I think I should talk about it for about five minutes. And it's the loyalty and longevity of some people's loyalty as away supporters and football supporters generally. So I think uh, Danny Hall put out on Twitter a question, whose who's streets it's breaking? And the name that came up quite often was Andy Jowett. Now, Jowett sits about six rows in front of me on the cot, comes in five minutes late, there's always a bit of banter because he stands up purposefully to go in his seat and everyone's like, sit down, Joey. Um, he, I've been on his buses before. They're very different to the ones like Alan's buses, but people like Jowett before him, Shred, all Shred's lot, people like that have just been going and going and going for years and, and just turning up. And we have been, as a set of fans, as we've long talked about, we have been through shy and that general sort of... When you're in the away end, and it happens more and more now, people are like, hey, oh, blah, blah, blah. We've been quite successful. A lot of people have, well, that's how we've all become friends in the last however many years. But it's that loyalty of, like, go to a away game. It's not the same until I've seen Jowett. I've seen the twins. I've seen, you know, all these characters. Like, there's that fellow, I don't know his name around, who looks like Astrix. Right. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> well, there's not more than one who looked like Ace He must have been growing his hair since his first Blades game. It's immaculate tash he's got as well. Has he got a mate that looks like Obelix as well? <laughs> not seeing him. I think he might be a pig. Hey, he's got, he wears blue and white stripes, doesn't he, Obelix? He'll, he'll be a pig. Yeah. But, it's, <laughs> but it's that sort of longevity of people's streaks are going to unite. I mean, I go most games. I have to miss some for whatever reason. Uh, but it's just like that... that that commitment, that passion, and the fact that amongst all this, where you said earlier, Ian, like, football's missing fans quite a lot. And I thought it was an appropriate time to sort of address that that longevity of, of support and stuff like that. And being a blade, that can't have been easy. I don't know what you all think or got any other characters. Sorry? Good luck summarising. Oh. Oh, Phil's frozen. Phil's glitched. I think you were going to say good luck summarising that on the vote. I was. Well, I was just <laughs> going to say uh, longevity of loyal support. I mean, I remember this uh, speaking to, um, I can't remember his name, Mr. Oxley, Danny's dad, about when him and Shred went to uh, went some friendly in a different country and they got there for the last like seven minutes at match and then. I lost 2 0 and they came back. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's that level of like fanatical away support and, and support of the club generally. No, see, if I think back to like when I first probably started going away, I was probably about 15, so we're talking about 1990. And when I was sort of 16, I went away with my mate from school with, and his older brother and friends on, on the coaches and stuff like that. And so I still see faces now that I remember seeing 
in those away crowds in 30 years ago. And that, and it's the same faces. And you go, I don't go to every away game. I go to as many as I can. But when I do get to those away games, like you say, it's those faces. And it's not just faces. Yes, you, you've got a, a now a younger group coming through, been going over the last five to 10 years, regular home and away. But it's those old timers that you see there all the time. Um, yeah. And I think that's really, it, it is. It, it, they've seen, let's be honest, they've seen some shit. And, and they've, you know, the, the good times have been rare. Um, and I think, you know, it, it says a lot for the club. It says a lot for the people. Yeah, it's um, it's a it, it's a it's a strange art, but like I just find those people who've been going for 20, 30, 40 years, like uh, Blade Man Dave, whose latest song is one of his best yet. Um, he like they were saying he he didn't miss a game. So he'd been out walking on the uh, on the Thursday in the pizza somewhere, smashed his head open, and got lifted by air ambulance. And then self discharged himself on Saturday morning from uh, from hospital to go to the match, and it's it's that sort of fanatical support. Like Dave himself, he won't might be saying, Big Blake lives in Rochdale, goes to every game. There's that young lad Connell, he comes up from somewhere down south every game, home and away, and it's it's not everyone can afford it, not everyone can physically do it for whatever reason, work commitments and stuff. But those people have those streets, I think. It's it, it should be a badge of honour. Well, it's like Greenwich Blade. He itches everywhere, doesn't he? Or used mm. to. I don't know if he still does. I, I still see him looking like he's made his way up with his bit of cardboard from uh, from London up the M1. But, yeah. I, and, I played you know. football with him a few times for um, years ago, playing for Interblades when we used to play. We played away at Stoke before away games and stuff like that. And I think, he, I think he's a keeper. And I think he played it net for Interblades a few times. And he kind of itched his way to Stoke, played football for... For us, for these, for interblades, and then, uh, and then went to game. So, uh, yeah. yeah. There's always, there's always good stories. There's always characters for different reasons. I mean, some people will recognise us as, and it won't be, oh, that's John. It will be, oh, there's that curly head gobshite. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard me talking about you again, haven't you? <laughs> Guilty, unfortunately. But yeah, that's that's mine. So it's uh, longevity and loyalty among supporters of our club. I'll still need to narrow it down for the Twitter poll, but I'll work on it. Yeah, you might <laughs> need to come to me last because that's kind of stolen my thunder a bit because my, my nomination was along the lines of the fan base and the the self-deprecation and the, uh, you know, even... In maybe, the that's a, maybe that's the angle, self-deprecation angle. The Blades way, as Kevin Blackwell told me yeah. that time on the answer phone. We're going to do it the Blades way. You might have to come to me last because that's kind of uh, that was kind of a similar vein for me. So if you if you can come to me last, I need to think about a, a reserve nomination on this one. I think. So should we? Uh, do you want well, to go I'm for Lochelai? Yeah. I don't mind. Have you got one or not? I've got one. I've got one. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just framing it up. But yeah. Go on then. So. Mine is uh, is unusual because you could argue it's not Blaze related. In fact, it's Wednesday related. But it's an image that if I'm having a bit of a bad day or, you know, a bit down about things, I just picture the image. And I, I'm gonna have to, I, I couldn't even be bothered looking up what it's called, but I know one of them is Ozzy Owl. It's that image of the two of them, the, the Ozzy Owl and his son or whatever he is, Junior Owl, slumped against the advertisement hoardings at Hillsborough when we beat them four yep. two. bouncing and, day and brilliant bouncing day and it, it it just and it just oh it just it you just it need just me makes me smile I can't, I can't playing across the top of it don't you yeah, that's, yeah. that's exactly what you need playing over the back, over the top of it in fact I might even put a tweet out. I might I might try and mock that up later because it is just it, it, it's Wednesday yeah we beat them we absolutely you know uh one of the best best days supporting United, but that image when it cuts to it and the fact that it, they cut to it on the TV and it, it's there, it's screenshotted, it's it's there for posterity. It just, I, I just think of it being my Wednesday mates in the stand, and it just makes me smile. Robert, that's you. Well, Edward, remember. that's you. Sally, that's you. Ian, that's you. I, I can remember it. And we watched that game in uh, Champs, didn't we? Really? We couldn't get tickets, so we watched it on Champs and Axel Road, and that image came on screen, and the whole pub burst out laughing it was brilliant 
I mean, it was just, it was like, it was a cheer, and then just absolutely just laughter, wasn't it? Just echoing around the pub. It's fantastic. Somebody so, got a new jacket that day. It was a, it was a great day. Yeah, I hope you enjoy my, my Hugo Boss jacket, whoever it was that stole it. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, you have to bring it down, don't you, John? Did they bring it down? It wasn't a tactical move. It was more of a slight on Phil than your nomination. <laughs> but no, that, look, it, it, it's a, it, it's not specifically United. It's a, it's a Wednesday. It's an image of Wednesday, but it's a bloody good image of Wednesday. It's United folklore, that picture. I like it. Mine's perhaps a little bit left field, though. To be fair, and it's it's. One of one of our own, one of us, not not necessarily one of us four, but one of the four blades in the pod, podcasters that joins us and, and is integral to this podcast. Because without him, I don't think we'd have quite the product that we do. And it's Luke Prest. I want to name, nominate. Not just because without him, this podcast wouldn't be what it is, but also the way that he captures the images of how people are feeling about United with some of his art is fantastic. And the one that he did yesterday, United then retweeted as well. I just thought it was perfect. And I've got a couple of pictures. I've got quite a few pictures of his up on, on my stairs. I've got a picture of his that he did specifically for me and my family, and it's brilliant. But the way it's just the way that he captures how I feel about football at times. I just think he nails it, and, and that's why I want to nominate him. So enjoy listening to that, Luke, when you edit this. Luke, well, I, zeitgeist. <laughs> I um, a few years back, I was take, taking the first time I came into contact with Luke. I was. I did a, a sort of photo blog of a season at, at United just in and around the match. So not not necessarily catching scenes of the match because you're watching it, but the things that go off around the match, the fans around the ground, the programme seller, the badge, badge woman on the corner of Cherry Street, you know, yeah. all fans queuing up to queue and just, just images around the ground and capturing what it is around Bramble Lane on match day. And so I did it over a season. But Lou then said to contact me to say, can I kind of, use some of those images as sort of inspiration for a couple of pictures. And he sent me a couple of the ones he did based on, you know, they did the badge badge lady. He did one of a father and son holding hands at the top of the cop gangway. Um, and I just love what he does. You're right. He, he, he captures something. I, I didn't actually see him tweet it actually on someone's Instagram last night. So someone had actually put it up as one of their Instagram pictures. And I thought that looks like Luke. I mean, you see the signature in the corner. And it's the one on the, was it the one with the feet up on the sofa and the match on? I assume we're not there or something like that. Yeah, um, and you're right. And actually, coming back to the point on the pod, you're right. Without Luke's production, um, you know, doing the intro music, the, the creative his creativity enables this to sound so much better than what it would otherwise. Yeah. Well, you used to experience what it used to sound like before Luke got his hands on it, and my God, it was shy. I listened to one of them recently, I was like, what were we thinking? But like, <laughs> Luke is Luke does it all, and he never asks um, anything of us, uh, and we like, we'll send it over at all times, and it, all he ever asks from us is, what picture do you want? And write the blurb, he just, just cracks on and does it. He's a busy man himself, so he... And often we might be delayed in uploading content, interacting, things like that, because we're busy with work. And Luke always manages to find the time to do it for us for and Well, our wider Blades community, and hopefully you guys as listeners appreciate that, because we all certainly do. We talk about it all the time. We've hopefully mentioned it before on the pod a few times, but I actually think it's very fitting that he would be an entry. Phil, I think it's, it's very fitting indeed. Yeah, it's a good shout that. So, Dan? So, my entry, which is obviously one I was going to come up with a couple of weeks from now, um, it's a little bit more root, more, more root one than what you guys have come up with tonight. Um, but um, it's an incident involving a, a former guest on here, and it's um, our friend Carl Bradshaw uh, punching Vinnie Jones at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> I remember uh, that well. I, I think it's I think it's it's up there with with the kind of iconic United photos, um, just because you know, Vinny was this. I'm the hardest man in the world, and I'm this, that, and the other. And then Bradshaw dots him on chin, and basically you can you can almost see Vinny's ass fall out there and then. Just doesn't want doesn't want any of it, as they say. Don't want that smoke. 
it, and it was the build up to that, wasn't it, on that day as well? Because, like I say, with the headband, come on with the headband, threw it to the ground, stamped it into the dirt in front of the Blades fans before the match. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like I say, with 8,000 8, Blades fans at Chelsea that day, I think, was it, was it, was it a cup tie? It was a cup. Uh, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it would have been. Could yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. So we're all on that sort of big arc, arc terrace at Stamford Bridge. Um, so you got the crowd going, and then when that incident happened, it was like, <laughs> you know what United fans are like. That's just the kind of thing just to get us. Well, I, I, properly I think up. It's, I think it sums both players up because you've yeah. got Vinnie Jones there, who's you know you, you look at him and he, he was this so-called hard man and then you watch one of these things on Twitter every so often that says Vinnie Jones was crazy and it's all cowardly challenges two-footed challenges from the back punching Anders Limpar in the back of the head that's not a hard man that's a bully so that that kind of sums him up for me and then you've got Bradders who let's be fair he's not he's not big he's not it's not like he's six foot four and built like a tank absolutely doesn't give a fuck no, doesn't care about Vinny's reputation. Just goes wallop, have that because he was. I think he said that he. he I think Jones had started on White House, so Bradshaw was straight in. So it yeah. just, it just kind of shows the character of the two. You've got you've got a bully and someone who is no respecter of reputation. You know, hang him on him. So, so yeah, that's my that's my nomination. Uh, on, on Vinnie Jones, um, I know I know the nomination really is about Radshaw, but on Vinnie yeah. Jones, I listened to, um, I think it was the Quickly Kevin podcast that got Dave Bessant on it not so long back. It's a really interesting pod, actually, if you get a chance yeah. to listen to it. But he was saying about um, Vinnie Jones and how he says, Vinnie off the pitch is a lovely, lovely man. He's a really, really nice guy. And it's yeah. no surprise to Dave Bessant that he became an actor later in life because that image was only ever an act. Playing a part. It was, it was playing a part, playing a part of, it, of being a hard man to give people the fear or, or to enhance his own reputation on the football pitch. I just found that really interesting spin on, on the way he was because he was always seen as being a hard man, but off the pitch, apparently, it was completely the opposite. But wasn't that the case with a few of those Wimbledon players as well? They were fashioning. Not really hard. It was all a character. It was all a facade. No, I think you know. he's just a bully, isn't he? I think he's just a bit... And, and, and he showed that on uh, SAS recently, didn't he? Yeah, I, 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 the SAS thing, I, I was surprised that... I wasn't surprised he couldn't do some of the physical stuff because he's in his 50s, but the fact that he couldn't do the... They were doing the, the forward abseil or something down the cliff and he just he couldn't do it. And for someone who was supposed to be a you know a hard man and a black belt in however many... Um, however many martial arts and stuff like that I was yeah he, he kind of came across as a bit of a dick to be honest funniest thing about that is when Ant Middleton said give me a number he expecting his number off his, off his arm and he tried to give him his phone number <laughs> as, if wanted, as if he wanted to go out for drinks with him later <laughs> fantastic so we got four good nominations there I think four Can't quite wait. different nominations as well what I uh, what I think I'd like to propose boys for Monday or whenever we get round to talking about the Newcastle game, when it comes to the whole thing, how do we feel about setting a theme? Since we're going to be going through it quite quickly and it'd be an easy way to separate the wheat from the chaff each week. And, uh, you know, we could set it on anything. But what do you reckon? Do you think that yeah. could work? Or do you like how open it is? Is it? Let's give it a go. Let's let's come up with a theme for next week and see how we go. <laughs> if we're all scratching around and we're we're not providing hot hot quality pod content as a result of it, well, we can always revert back to just going random. <laughs> I don't know. It's just an idea because we're going to be doing it quite. Yeah. Yeah, could do. Um, I mean, suggest suggest a theme. Don't have to do it right now. Don't have to do it right now. Well, it's a, yeah, it's we, can very good. we can talk about this off, off, off the pod, can't we? But yeah, uh, really good Hall of Fame section, really good podcast. I feel already more excited about Newcastle than I am pissed off about last night. I've been you know, to pull the bones out of it with you three, so hopefully the listeners, when they get round to listening to this, also feel a bit more relaxed about the game on Sunday and a bit like, unfortunately, accepting of, of what went on last night, but a really good podcast, and I think Sunday will go up there and win. So I'm going to say it now: two one up the blades, up the blades, up the blades. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one, boys. Thank you, everybody. If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song.
And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put her over on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me Murray, right. Well, I'd say Peroni as well.